I greet and welcome you all this morning in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. And I humbly ask that we walk together under our sermon series drawn from the book of John chapter number 4 verse 42 entitled Divine Encounter with God. Beloved, without wasting any time, I would like us to look at the meaning of the word encounter with God or encounter per se. The word encounter means to run into and running into God is the best thing that can happen to us or anyone. We need an encounter with God because only an encounter with God can transform us. Only an encounter with God can protect us. Only an encounter with God can give us our purpose and direction like no other. Beloved, God wants us to experience him personally, not just to know about him, but to know him. And knowing him means knowing his heartbeat. And all of these brethren is only achievable by us moving into closeness with him. It is only achievable by us being separated unto him and obeying him in all areas of our lives. And brethren, according to John chapter 15 verse 17, such is possible living in fellowship with God a lifestyle of talking to him and communing with him. A living connection with God, Bazalwani, produces the anointing that enables us to lay hold of all the wonderful things God has provided for us through Jesus Christ. Yes, Meeting or encounter with God produces a life whose heart is filled with the word and the voice of God. A life that abides in him every day and feasts it on his promises and his presence and the future of joy and prosperity, healing and health. You see, beloved, instead of chasing after the blessings of God, you will find that they are chasing you. You will find that they are chasing us and overtaking us at every turn. Very importantly, 
someone else's encounter with God cannot change us, but rather motivate us to encounter him more. My father, my mother, my brother and you, my sister, Scripture is replete with many characters who sodded and soiled life was transformed for the better at the moment of their encounter with God. Our message today subtitled The Jabok Experience is drawn from the book of Genesis, chapter 32, verse 22 to 32. Let us turn together in our Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 32, for our reading. Beginning to read from verse 22 to 32. And it reads thus. But he rose up that night and took his two wives, his two women servants, and his eleven sons, and passed over the fort of Jabok. And he took them and sent them across the brook. Also he sent over all that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man rustled him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And Jacob's thigh was put out of joint as he rustled with him. Then he said, Let me go for day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you declare a blessing upon me. The man asked him, What is your name? And in shock, in shock of realization, whispering, he said, Jacob, meaning supplanter, meaning trickster, meaning swindler. And he said, Your name shall be called no more Jacob, supplanter, but Israel, contender with God. For you have contended and have power with God and with men and have prevailed as referenced in the book of Hosea, chapter number 12, from verse 3 to verse 4. Then Jacob asked him, Tell me, I pray you, what is your name? But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And, the angel of God declared a blessing on Jacob there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, 
the face of God, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and my life is spared and not snatched away. And as he passed Penuel, known as Penil, the sun rose upon him, and he was limping because of his thigh. That is why to this day the Israelites do not eat the sinew of the hip which is on the hollow of the thigh, because the angel of the Lord touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh on the sinew of the hip. My beautiful children ministry, in our study of Genesis chapter 32, 22 to 32, we learn of a remarkable story of Jacob's wrestling with the angel and prevailing. Reference also in Hosea 12.4 Very early in the morning, great while before day, Jacob had helped his wives and his children over the river or the brook and desires to be private and was left alone. That he might again more fully spread his cares and fears before God in prayer as we ought to continue instant in prayer, always to pray and not to faint. It was at this critical point, while Jacob was in earnest prayer, steering himself up to take hold of God, that the angel, or an angel took hold of him. Some think this was a created angel, the angel of his presence, as declared in Isaiah 63 verse 9. One of those that always behold the face of our Father and attend on the Shekinah, or the Divine Majesty which Jacob had also a view. While others think it was Michael, our prince, the eternal weight, the angel of covenant, who is indeed the Lord of angels. See Exodus 23 verse 21. Brethren, Whichever it was, but one thing certain is that his life was changed. Jacob's life was changed. Up until this point, Jacob has certainly lived up to his name taking every advantage he can find to get ahead in life. Most of what he does is not objectionable in itself because Jacob is simply taking care of business 
the best way he can and the best way he know he knows how. And sometimes his ambition gets ahead of his wisdom. As does for many of us. And he does some unethical things that are not good and right before the face of God. Like many of us, that we act out of ten many a times without giving a thought before we act, before we utter. But all that was about to change in every and very dramatic way. Let me put it this way. Beloved, when the sun goes down, his name is David. But when the sun comes up again, his name is Israel. That night, by the fort of Jabok, there was a transformation. There was a transformation for good in the life of Jacob. For he met the Lord in a powerful way and his life was changed forever. It has been well said that a crisis never made any man, but it only reveals what he already is. Psalmist, you see, that statement, in my opinion, is mostly true or almost always true. But I do not think it is absolutely true. Yes, Mrs. Mutwene, from time to time, God brings certain people to crisis points that radically change the course of their life forever. You see, Mrs. Mutwene, before the crisis, a man looked at life one way. Afterwards and forever, he sees the world around him in a different way. Something like that happened to Jacob at midnight by the brook of Jabok, Matipenyan. This is the crisis that not only reveals what Jacob is, it also transforms him into something different. Mamruti, when Jacob wrestled with God, he lost. And he also wore, what a paradox, 
After all these years, Jacob had met his match at midnight by the brook or the fort of Jabok. The encounter with God at the end takes place at the end of Jacob's 20 years in Haran. As scripture has taught us, those were not easy years. Most of the time, were hard and difficult. As witnessed the suppression of Jacob under Laban's dominion. Over and over again, promises were made and promises were broken. Wages were set then changed and then corrected again. Demands were made, then changed, then corrected again. Such was the life of Jacob under the care of his uncle Laban. Many were the days when Jacob wondered if he would ever go home again. Remember the promise of God at the first encounter at Bethel. But now at last he is free of Laban. The long humiliation is over. The lessons learned and the payments made. The hard times in Haran are but a distant memory. He is almost home again. Twenty years earlier, as he was leaving the promised land, the Lord appeared to him near Bethel and said, I will go with you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. And that promise, beloved, is about to be fulfilled. However, Jacob is filled with a scary feeling of his brother Esau, whom he swindled of his birthright and blessings. Afraid and tormented that his brother would make a good on his promise of killing him for his deceit. And at this point in time, beloved, 
His crisis can be summed up in one word. Esau. Or Esau. For 20 years, brethren, Jacob lived with the memory of how he cheated his brother. Not once, but twice. Matabah, the evangelist of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, for 20 years, Jacob had wondered whether Esau still has plans to kill him. For 20 years, he has dreamed of going home. But each time, his dream became a nightmare when he thought of Esau. While he was with Laban, his mind was distracted with his slippery, conniving uncle. But Laban is history. Laban is gone. And with his departure, Esau returns to the forefront. Esau, in this case, represent that besetting sin we have not confessed. That lingering thought of wrongdoing. That lingering thought of lying about your fellow brethren. That lingering thought of stealing. That lingering thought of bickering. That you have never confessed. Yes, that thought is your Esau. That thought is your Esau. You see, it is about crossing over. And it's about you experiencing your jabok for your breakthrough in life. As we see in the life of Jacob. Crossing over the four of jabok and the subsequent wrestling brings about a transformation 
in the life of Jacob. And thus makes one curious about this place where weeping, supplication, prayers, and tears were Jacob's weapon. We all need to get to experience our Jabok moment because you can never encounter God and remain the same and remain the same. The question is what is what is Jabok? What is Jabok? Jabok means a place of passing over. It also stands for struggle. It also means to empty and pour out. What a glorious truth is revealed in this place called Jabok. It has everything to do with us today. It is a place, so see, where God's people discover the secret of power over every besetting scene. Indeed, it represents a life and death crisis, one that leads to absolute surrender. Beloved, what we really learn from the definition is that there can never be a glorious victory over self and sin until we encounter God at Jabok, a place and time where we must have it out with God, where we must face ourselves and be emptied of all evil desires and selfish ambitions. Brethren, in the past, believers have been taught that there are two crossings in the life of a Christian. And that is the Red Sea and the Jordan. You see, with the Red Sea crossing, representing coming out of the world, speaking of a new start and symbolizing 
getting saved. And we saw a lot of God's people coming out of Egypt. But never getting into the promised land. Only to get stuck in the wilderness of unbelief, fear, and confusion. You see, like many of us, they left the world, <clears throat> but never got to enter the joy of the Lord. Because of the besetting sin. Because of this one thing. That they could not pour out. And empty themselves out to God. Another crossing required. The Jordan. The Jordan represent commitment to go on with the Lord. Yes, water baptism. Yes, Bible reading. Yes, witnessing. And yes, a desire to grow in Christ. It is a passing over into a life of praise. For many, the promised land represents the fullness of the Holy Spirit. A baptism in and with the Holy Spirit. Brethren, isn't that all there is? A promised land. A spiritual canon for the children of God. Saved, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit. They, that is the children of Israel, entered their promised land. They got their inheritance, but they never did enter into the rest God wanted them have these God fearing children spirit led still had sin in their heart they had hearts that held unto lust and idolatry just like Jacob, whose west sin could be summed up, Esau. What is that one thing in your life? What is that one thing in your life? What is it? 
What is it that you have not? Shared with the Lord. That you have not poured out with the Lord. How tragic that the same is true today. As many of us, spirit-filled, spirit-led, still are to experience the true known rest of God. For our peace is disturbed by a troubled conscience. God said, Israel could not enter in because of unbelief. There remaineth yet a rest to the people of God. See Hebrew chapter 3 verse 19 and Hebrew chapter 4 verse 9. You see, beloved, it is possible to be saved, spirit-filled, totally dedicated to the work of the Lord, and still be hooked by a secret sin. It is possible to cast out devil in Christ's name, heal the sick, perform miracle, descend, do great works and all in the name of Jesus Christ and still be a sin hooked work of worker of inequity sin hooked worker of inequity i stand before you this morning Beloved, to encourage you and to let you know that only God knows how many in the body of Christ carry the burden of a secret sin or overwhelming lust. Many multitudes have never experienced total victory and deliverance from besetting sins. Many dedicated Christians, young and old, fight a losing battle against a habituating sin. A sin that has found place in our life a sin that has found home in our life. A sin that is difficult to divorce. They fight a graving for drugs. We fight a graving for drugs, alcohol and sex. They dearly love the Lord. We dearly love the Lord. But there is this one thing in their life. There is this one thing in our life. 
They hate it, but keep doing it. We hate it, but keep doing it. They don't want to give up on Christ or go back into the world. We don't want to give up on Christ or go back into the world. But there is still this one thing. This constant thing. This constant problem. This little idol which causes us grief and tears. Tearing us with guilt and condemnation. Leaving us feeling helpless. Unworthy and confused. We fast. We pray. We make promises. But suddenly, we are overwhelmed, we are overcome, and are led forth as a lamb to the slaughter. Beloved, I stand here this morning declaring that until we encounter God at Jabok, the only passing over place, the only place of encounter with the Lord, and most importantly, a third crossing that brings with it transformation and direction in our life's purpose. Deliverance from that besetting sin. Our efforts are fruitless. It is like kicking a goat. And it is for this reason that I challenge you not to miss next week meeting wherein we are going to learn how Jacob's encounter with the Lord at Jabbok transformed him. We are going to learn why the angel of the Lord asked Jacob his name when he surely knew him. We are going to learn why dislocate the hip of Jacob. We are further going to learn the meaning and the significance 
of this place, Jabok, for our life. In closing, my dear beloved, fellowship and daily encounter with God should be a priority of every Christian. As it does not, because it does not matter how much information we have about him. If we don't commune with him, then we are still stuck in our wilderness. We are still shackled by that one thing. That one thing. That one thing. We can be full of knowledge about faith. We can understand how it comes, what it does and how to release it. We can study about love until we have memorized every love scripture in the Bible. We can know the steps to healing and prosperity backward and forward. But... We don't have the momentum to put those things into action unless we spend or have an encounter with God and maintain a living connection with Him. Brethren, an encounter with God brings about transformation. Brings about a turnaround. You can never encounter God and remain the same. The experience of Jacob at the fort of Jabok is a clear picture for us that we need to live connected with him. This is part one of our message under Divine Encounter with God, subtitle, The Jabok Experience. May the grace of our Lord, Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, Rest and abide with you and in you till 
we meet again, same time, same place. Shalom.